one year, Sacramento County will have a new district attorney. Whoever wins the race between Tien Ho and Alana Matthews will mark a new era following the 20-year tenure of former DA Jan Scully and the eight-year tenure of Anne-Marie Schubert, Scully's hand-picked successor. Here are some of the comments from Matthews and Ho during their opening statement at a candidate forum held on Monday, October 25th in Sacramento. My name is Alana Matthews and I'm a candidate for district attorney and I'm running for this office to offer new leadership and new solutions to modernize our criminal legal system. I'm running for district attorney because the people of Sacramento deserve the steady hand of a veteran prosecutor with a proven track record to protect the public and ensure equal justice for all. I'm Dan Gowardy and in this edition of Elk Grove News Podcast, we'll hear answers to four of the ten questions during the forum that highlighted their priorities should they be elected district attorney. The forum was moderated by retired TV news reporter Lonnie Wong and was conducted via Zoom from the Asian Pacific Island American Public Affairs Office in Sacramento. This is an on-site recording. For some background, Matthews is currently employed with the Prosecutors Alliance of California, a coalition of reform-minded prosecutors. Her legal experience includes eight years of service at the Sacramento County DA's office. Matthews is part of an emerging breed of reform-minded candidates running for district attorney in California. A 20-year veteran in the Sacramento County DA's office, Ho is the Assistant Chief Deputy District Attorney. Although he is one of the highest-ranking officials in the DA's office and has traditional stances, to date, he has not been endorsed by Jan Scully or Anne-Marie Schubert, and could be considered a departure from that era if elected. During the forum, there were 10 questions. While each candidate had slightly different positions, there were four questions that amplified their differences. Those questions were on police shootings, defunding police, bail reform, and legislative advocacy. Here is Wong's question on police shootings. In recent years, there have been uh, several uh, high-profile law enforcement uh, shootings and uh, use of uh, force shootings that have been investiga investigated by the district attorney's office. And oftentimes those investigations take uh, eight months, a year or more. Uh, of course, when an ordinary citizen is charged with a crime, it's done very quickly and the district attorney determines whether a crime has been committed within, sometimes within days or, or sooner. And there is a perception that uh, the district attorney's office is uh, favoring law enforcement, giving them a break in terms of uh, investigating it uh, more thoroughly, so to speak. How do you combat that, that perception? Uh, is, is it the, the fact that uh, uh, these kinds of incidents are co generally complicated and need more time? Or uh, sh should there be more transparency and immediacy? Answering the question first was Matthews. So with regard to cases here in Sacramento, um, there are some cases like the Stefan Park, I'm just going to be open and put it out there. I haven't made any decisions. I get asked about that case all the time. I haven't made any decisions or any commitments that I'm going to reopen that case. But what I have done has been very vocal in saying the Joseph Mann case needs to be investigated. That was an incident where it showed on the camera that officers chased this man down. And then after they chased him down, they immediately got out of their car and they shot him. And we have to have a leader that's not going to turn a blind eye to what we all see with our own two eyes. We can see that. 
And the way I've tried to work to instill confidence, because I don't want the community thinking, oh, well, this takes longer, so that must mean it's not as fair. I want them to have confidence that when I make a decision, it's based on the law and the facts. While addressing police shootings and how she might handle them, Matthews also made this point. So I have not taken any money. I'm saying I'm not accepting money from any police unions. And I'm doing that to make sure I enforce and strengthen the integrity of our legal system. So if I do, as a prosecutor, have to make a choice, and I'm sure, I mean, not as a prosecutor, as a DA, I'm sure I would have to make a decision sometimes that the use of force is justified. But the community can have confidence that that decision is based on facts and the merit, and not because I'm giving political contribution. This was Ho's response. Both Ms. Matthews and myself has recent, have recently interviewed uh, for the endorsement of the Deputy Sheriff's Association here in Sacramento. Uh, fact of the matter is I told the Deputies Association and I've told law enforcement again and again, uh, and also members of the community this. I've told them that I'm gonna follow as a district attorney and as a prosecutor where the facts and the law takes me. Wherever the facts and the law take me, I am going to go there. And so if the facts and law indicate that a police officer needs to be held accountable, they are going to be held accountable. And he added this. And this office, the district attorney's office, we prosecuted officers for excessive use of force. We prosecuted officers for crimes such as domestic violence, perjury, for violent crimes. So we hold officers accountable and we will continue to do so when the facts and the law dictate so. We're not going to use poli as um, use po you know have politics guide our actions. We're going to be guided by the facts and the law, and I will continue to do that again and again and again. The next topic where the candidates showed a difference was on defunding the police. Here's Wong's question. Thank you, and Tim, a question for you: uh, How do you feel about uh, defunding police or re reassigning police uh, resources? To, uh, to other programs and avenues that uh, might either relieve the responsibility of police or simply uh, a, a different strategy in, in handling uh, certain kinds of crimes. Ho addressed the controversial topic by saying this. I'm against defunding the police. I am against defunding the police. Um, when you look at the statistics, violent crime disproportionately affects communities of color. They affect the Latino community, the African-American community, the Asian community disproportionately. So when you're defunding the police, when you're taking away resources from the police, you're taking away resources from victims of crimes who happen to belong to communities of color and marginalized communities. Ho amplified his feelings on defunding the police by saying the following. We don't need less police. We need more and better policing. In a lengthy response to the question, Matthew started off by making this statement. So let me start by stepping back and, and talking about this defund the police and put it in context. If your lived experience has been that the police represents safety and security, when you're talking about defunding, you're talking about taking away someone's safety and security. If your lived experience with police has been harassment or unfairness or violence, then you're talking about defunding that. So I think it's important to understand the context when you talk about that phrase, because what's most important is not how we answer that question, but how we approach and listen to the community. So what the community is saying is that I want to be safe. After she framed the issue, Matthews added the following. We are not, I would agree, at a place in our society where we can completely defund the police. 
But what I will say is I support non-policing alternatives to mental health, substance abuse, and other issues. Matthews addressed Ho's comment that he would like to see more police by saying the following. And then lastly, I think we ought to be responsible stewards. As a DA, I want to make sure the investments that we have in our county, we're getting a return on that investment. And so if this over-policing or policing hasn't made the communities more safe, if you can't show a measurable outcome that gang violence has been reduced in the community because of more police presence, you can't show that homicides have gone down because of police presence, but you're seeing there's a continual uh, increase in crime, which I just believe my opponent said there's been two 233% in uh, drive-by shootings, 38%. So those investments haven't worked. The third topic the candidates had differences on was zero bail. Here's Wong's question. The state of California has recently moved closer to a zero bail system for misdemeanors and low-level crimes. Supporters of the move say the cash bail, that cash bail is unconstitutional since it unfairly penalizes uh, communities of color. But critics counter that doing away with bail also puts the public at risk. So uh, uh, how, what, what is your view on, uh, on uh, zero bail and the fairness of bail uh, itself? In his response, Ho acknowledged the bail system can be unfair by saying the following. First of all, I, I fundamentally believe that bail shouldn't be based on a person's bank account. It's unfair for a person who is poor to remain in custody while a person who has the financial resources is allowed to bail out. The primary objective of bail pre-trial is to make sure that the person shows up to court. But more than that, more than that is public safety. Expanding on the public safety aspect, Ho said some of the bail reforms have gone too far and he has worked to rein them in. He said the following. When we're looking at zero bail, we need to look at it in a reasonable and not reckless manner. We need to make sure that we have accountability, that we make sure that when a person is released on zero bail, if they commit a crime again, that there is bail set. So recently, my office, including myself, approached the court to modify zero bail, and that's what we did to make sure that when somebody is released on zero bail, let's say for an auto burglary, how it worked before was that once they were arrested for that, they could commit another auto burg, and another auto burg, and another one, and another one, and zero bail would be set on each of those. But what we did and what I did in collaboration with the courts was to go ahead and ask that that be modified. So when somebody commits, for example, an offense, and then they commit another offense on zero bail, that bail is actually set. Both candidates were in agreement that poor people should not be penalized if they are unable to pay for bail, and... She agreed public safety is of the utmost concern. I agree that we should not have a bail system that is contingent on a person's ability to pay or to bail out. It should be based on public safety. Matthews expanded on her answer by saying the county should offer more pretrial services as a public safety risk assessment. But what I will say and go further is that we need to make sure you know, in March, I think this county was looking at expanding the jail. And the proponents of that said uh, Sacramento is a high incarceration county, and that's why they needed more millions of dollars to expand it. Knowing that we are a high incarceration county, what needs to happen is that we should start from the place that everyone will be, or not, I shouldn't say everyone, but we will start from the threshold that someone will be released on the R. 
And then we have a program called pretrial services that allows for a thorough review of a defendant. And if there are any um, conditions, non-financial conditions that should be a part of their release. So maybe if they have a substance abuse pro uh, problem, we know that you are a low risk, but you have a problem when you're on the substance that may make you a risk. So you're going to have to be a part of these substance abuse courses. Or if you have mental health um, issues, you will have to be receiving these services in order. So there can be a number of conditions that can be placed on an individual that's non-financial. The final topic where the candidates had differences was a question from Wong on what role the district attorney should play in legislative advocacy. What would your role be in trying to uh, change public policy in terms of legislation? In his response, Hull noted that he had worked with Assemblymember Jim Cooper on a number of different bills and stressed the importance of working with all legislative bodies. Well, I think it's important for any district attorney to work with the policymakers. Whether it's the Board of Supervisors, whether it's the City Council, whether it's um, someone in the Assembly or the Senate, it's important for us to work with our legislature. Uh, we have a um, legislative unit. I am a member of the legislative unit for the California District Attorneys Association. We've worked to propose bills, for example, um, one such bill that deals with sexually violent predators and their release into the community, trying to um, write that bill and draft that bill with Assemblyman Jim Cooper from Elk Grove. And what we did there was to give more voice to the community when a sexually violent predator is being released to that community and to give the community a voice in the placement of that individual. Additionally, we work with Jim Cooper's office in regards to a hate crime bill that made, um, that increased um, the punishment in certain situations for hate crime offenses. And that was in the midst of the spiking in hate crimes. And so we work with our legislature. We work with our legislators. We work with the Board of Supervisors to institute policies, and we should do that. And we are all partners, um, after all, in our criminal justice system. Matthews noted not only is it important to listen and advocate for victims, but it's also important to listen and advocate for the will of voters. It's not only important for the voices of victims to be heard, but it's also important for the voices of voters to be heard. And the voters of California have shown that they are for and support common sense reforms. Those same reforms have been supported by the California Sacramento County voters as well. And when there was a proposition that was on the ballot last year, Proposition 20, which was supported by the other organization my opponent uh, mentioned, and even the current DA in this county, it was to roll back some of the common sense reforms that we have seen. It was rejected not only by the voters of California, but rejected by the voters of Sacramento County. So I think the legislative process is definitely a role for the DA, that they can be a part of that, but they also have to understand that they represent their constituencies. And when their constituencies have shown we want common sense reforms, then the DA ought to support it. Sacramento County voters will decide between Matthews and Ho during the June 7, 2022 primary. Both candidates are expected to hold more forms between now and primary day.